bloody. A bloody Valentine's Day story. We are weirdos, yeah, that's right. We'll help you see the darkness in the why hello my weird weird friends hello how you guys doing i'm sarah and i'm stacy joe and we are those weirdos from michigan I got all dialed up for no reason. <laughs> well, just take a picture and post that shit, girlfriend. I I got a really cool setup, guys, and I can't even show it to you today. You know what? It's not the end of the world. They'll they'll get to see it. You got to you don't know, just post some pictures. I we got will. social media. Post some pictures. Well, you know, I did a vlog today, sis. You did a vlog today. Yes, badass, badass. I'm actually live recording right now on Meet Me. Right now, <laughs> I have told them that you had a rough day right before we started. <laughs> you spilled your beer. Yeah. Yep. We yep, tried to get your webcam working. It was yep. hell. I, it was so, a whole hour. Did you know that? It took us a whole freaking hour. It took us a whole hour. For no results. Yes. No results. No results. And it was so, oh, well. so sad. Yeah, it's frustrating. I'll figure it out before next week, though. Yes. It's going to happen. Yes. I'm, I am I have faith in you. I believe yes. that it will work one of these days. So how was we your got week? Some... Oh, you know, you know, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep very today well. Today sucked, but though, but I get it. Today, today was, you know, it, it did suck, but it was kind of like my birthday where I just had a lot of bad, dumb luck and I found humor. Okay. Yeah, I did laugh. Pretty hard, so hard I almost peed myself. I still love you, and I think it's hilarious when you have bad yeah. days, but, you know, at least I'm laughing with you <laughs> and not making it worse. So there's that, right? Yes, yes. I enjoyed your laughter <laughs> at my little tiffs. Right. It was funny. It, it was pretty funny. I didn't do my. I edited and edited and edited, and I upload and upload and upload. That, that was my week in a nutshell. Nice. What did you do? I played World of Warcraft. That's what I did. And I worked on my story. Because I did that story on McCourty Park in Somerset, Michigan, I really felt like it was I had to do El Capone, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Is that what you're doing? That is so what I'm doing. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. I know. I Let's get to it. Okay, so the story <coughs> with Al Capone is our grandfather would actually, back in that time, in the 1920s when prohibition was really bad, you know, jobs were scarce. And if they were jobs, you had to pretty much work yourself to death to get a quarter. <laughs> I mean, to get a quarter. Yeah. Like it was really bad back then. Right. He found a way to make money bootlegging because at the time, beer, booze, all that, that was illegal. That would have been so freaking sad. Let's just talk about that. Let's just talk. Can about you that. imagine? If they shut down this 2020 with probation of alcohol, how many people? <laughs> oh, I know, right? I know. That's crazy. That would have been awful. I, I would be so sad if it was that hard to get booze. I know. I, I really like having my booze sometimes. I like my craft beer, man. Not to get drunk. I just like to drink it and relax and get that relaxed, chill feeling, you know, going on. I don't like to be stripper drunk. That is uh, Michigan no. life right there. Right. I mean, Lakers, right. all that, all those people. Yes. I don't know anybody that doesn't drink like, one to two beers after they get off at work. I know. Brian's boss, she actually drinks like three beers when she gets off of work. I mean, it's a hard job cooking in that kitchen all day, especially in the summer. Dude. So it's like, yeah, you're going to want to chill out when you get home from work. Oh, I know. And... <laughs> doesn't right her doctor had the audacity to call her an alcoholic (laughs) it's just funny because that's just like life for you yeah it is so what is your story about today my story is about a love triangle Ooh, i am so excited it's in lake huron lake but it went bloody so it's a bloody valentine day story a bloody a bloody 
Valentine's Day. It's a bloody. A bloody Valentine's Day. So you hear that, Rat Live viewers. You definitely need to go check that out after we post it because it's our upcoming episode that we're recording right now that you get to hear. Yes. So the, I'm doing the Al Capone story, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and my sister's also doing a love triangle right out of Lake Huron. So check into that. You can't hear her on your end, but yes, you definitely need to go check it out. Should we do podcast stats? Yeah, we should maybe. definitely do podcast stats because right. I think you got excited to tell me all about those. Facebook, we actually went up this week. We went. We have 96 people following us and we have 93 people that like it. So you remember last week was like 82 or something? Yes, that's exciting. Um, yes. So thank you to everybody that's liking our page and supporting us. We appreciate it. We have 173 followers on Instagram. So that went up. So thank you to all those people on Instagram. We really thank appreciate you guys. It. We totally appreciate you 110%. We have 179 followers on Twitter. Whoa, 179 so followers on Twitter? Yeah, what was it last week? You remember? I thought it was less than that. Okay, it probably was because I did follow quite a bit of people that followed me back. Nice. And on TikTok, we stayed about the same at 69, so that's okay. We didn't really do a whole lot on TikTok this week. Okay. So that's understandable. Right. And on YouTube, last time I looked, we had still 14 subscribers. Slow and steady growth. That is the way to go with podcasts. Yes, exactly. So we just want you guys to grow with us. That's why we report this every week. Yeah. So you guys can know how we're doing. And if there's somewhere we need help, maybe you guys can help us out. So we would really appreciate it. I am getting to the downloads, but my phone is on life support right now. <laughs> you poor girl. Like for real. I'm having a day. I'm having a day. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hot mess today. <laughs> a, a very hot mess. I think I'm just like, that's my species. <laughs> I'm a hot mess species. Your species is a hot mess. Okay. Yes. We have 694 downloads altogether. So we're close to 700. We really appreciate you guys. Seriously, that's awesome. That is. And 188 total in the last 30 days. Damn. And fun fact. My sister-in-law and my brother are listening to us every week Ooh. while they play games and stuff. Hey, guys. What's up? What's up? We love you. We love you so much. Thank you so yes. much for following. So would you like to go with your story first since you are on live? I, yeah, you know what? I probably should. Yeah, because then you'll be just sitting there in silence. Yeah, I'll be sitting in silence. (laughs) All right. So, guys, I have a great story today. It's a Valentine's Day story, and it is not the loving, caring, sweet kind. Trigger warnings to be aware. You don't want to get caught in your underwear. On January 17th, 1899, a mafia legend was born in New York City. Alfonsi Gabriel Capone, also known as Scarface. Oh, no. Oh, no. Time out. <laughs> Not another Fonzi. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Alfonsi. I'll just call him Fonzi. <laughs> It's not really that hard to put the owl in front of it. Okay. Okay. All right. But Fonzie, you know, I just like saying it. Okay. So Alfonsi Gabriel Capone, also known as Scarface, which Capone actually, he really hated being called Scarface. Wait, was Scarface based off of him? Yes. I, I didn't know that. Yes, it totally was. Okay. Oh, and he was also known as Snorty by his closest friends because he was a sharp dresser and was a gangster businessman who accumulated social status during the Prohibition era. He was a successful crime boss for a mob called the Chicago Outfit for seven years until he got busted at age 33 and went to prison. Capone he really started off well, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He started off a gangster, ended a gangster. 
died a gangster. <laughs> died a gangster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not really, but Ooh, still a gangster. All right. So Capone got the name Scarface because he accidentally offended a lady while working as a bartender in his younger years. And her brother slashed him with a pocket knife three times in the face. Or did he run into it? Nope. Nope. He didn't run into it. Totally got slashed <laughs> in the face. How, however, this this might, you know, this would happen to us. A Wikipedia source quotation <clears throat> Capone married May Josephine Coughlin at age 19 on December 30th, 1918. She was Irish Catholic and earlier that month had given birth to their son, Albert Francis Sonny Capone. He was alive 1918 to 2004. Albert lost most of his hearing in his left ear as a child. Capone was under the age of 21, and his parents had to consent in writing to the marriage. By all accounts, the two had a happy marriage despite his criminal lifestyle. Quote. So Capone had Italian immigrant parents, with money always being an issue with his poor immigrant parents, and jobs not paying very well or being very obtainable at the time, especially for immigrants, Capone saw a different path of where major money was available, even though involving extremely dangerous and very illegal activities. He wanted to make more money and didn't see much survival among the other jobs and pay available at the time. He joined the Five Points Gang and became the bouncer in organized crime areas such as brothels and speakeasies. Capone moved to Chicago while in his early 20s and became a bodyguard and trusted co-partner for Johnny Torrio, the head of crime outfit that supplied illegal casinos, bars, brothels, and speakeasies such as Hidden and Haunted McCourty Park that sits right off of U.S. 12 in Somerset, Michigan. And Anchor Inn. There was a huge conflict among the mobs, one of them being with the Northside Gang, which played a huge part in Capone's rise and fall. Torrio retired after almost being killed by one of Northside Gang's gunmen and gave Capone full control of his outfit. Being in a gang, regardless of the person you could have been, can change you. It can turn you into a heartless monster. Capone was doing this since he was a young boy to make ends meet. Once taking over Torrio's gang, mob boss Capone expanded the bootlegging business by all violent means necessary. He also paid off all law enforcement and politicians to keep him and his gang safe from getting busted. He basked in all the attention he got when he went to ball games from people cheering for him. He wasn't all a bad guy. He was considered at the time a modern day Robin Hood because while in bad, bad shit, he still took the time to donate huge amounts of money to charities. What damn... Well, that was nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> What damaged his career and made people look at him in a very gruesome and gory light, deeming Al Capone public enemy number one, was when seven of his gang rivals were gunned down in broad daylight, which brings us to the story of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> On February 14th, 1929, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre happened. With a $50,000 wanted reward bounty hanging on Capone's head, he just couldn't endure it. It drove him mad. He ordered his outfit to destroy the Moran gang. I'm going to call it Moran gang. So on February 14th, you got right there? Yo, you going to make no, it? I'm dying. I'm dying, man. I already see a tune in my head. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> okay on february 14th 1929 a delivery of illegal booze was supposed to be delivered to one of their establishments in chicago illinois moran was late getting to the delivery and saw police officers standing outside his establishment and he thought his boys were getting busted and a raid was happening Unfortunately, this was not the case. 
Those police officers were not police officers at all. They were disguised assassins. There were also disguised assassins inside, blowing away the seven men inside the establishment right in front of the wall. The murdered men inside were some of Moran's best guns, Frank and Pete Guzenberg. Guzenberg. Okay. Frank was apparently still alive when the real authorities arrived on the scene. When they asked him who shot him, Frank kept his honor in the code of silence and replied, no one, no, nobody shot me. So I'm a little lost here because why would you not say something about somebody who shot you if you're rivals? I don't understand that. So he honored his code of silence still as a gangster and dying at this point. I guess people back then didn't want to be rats. You know what I mean? I like that. Mean, maybe. I guess you don't die a rat. You don't die a rat. I get it. Yeah. I get it. The St. Valentine's Massacre was the last time the Moran gang or the Chicago outfit had a violent encounter. The federal authorities became very focused and determined to bust Al Capone and charge him with 22 counts of tax evasion. He was convicted of five counts in 1931. His trial was extremely publicized. He made negotiations to pay the government what he owed. He was convicted and his sentence was 11 years in federal prison. Capone came down with syphilis after he was incarcerated and became extremely ill before being released all after almost eight years in the pen. On January 25th, 1947, after having a stroke, he died of cardiac arrest. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre occurred at 2122 North Clark Street in Chicago at the SMC Cartage Company. The wall, however, with the blood and bullet holes in it, has been moved to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. Which looks so freaking cool. Dude, I would love like, to go there. Yes. I want to go there so bad. Yeah. And I really want to do a paranormal haunt there. Like, for real. That would be so fun. Yeah, I know. Well, I think Ghost Adventures did maybe. Ghost Adventures. Yes. Did you see that one? Yes. I think I did. Yeah. But I still want to go just because, like, I want to do my own. That would be so fun. Yeah. All right, guys. This is the moment you've been waiting for. The haunting part. In Chicago, at the location of where the murders occurred, holds a very bloody history. At the time of the murders, it was a warehouse. It is said that when they moved the bullet hole bloody wall, it brought a lot of bad luck to the locals. Capone reported to have seen Bug Moran's brother, who was killed after the shootings, and it haunted him until the day he died. Yeah, I saw that too. It's crazy. Yes. Like in his jail cell. I believe it because he's the one that caused that brutal murder. Where was he incarcerated at? Do you know? Alcatraz. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the one that the jail cell is haunted with Al Capone and Moran now. Yes. Yeah. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Alcatraz would be another place I re- really want to go for a haunt too. I think they have tourists absolutely things that they do out there. I'm I just sure. want to go to San Francisco because that's where it's around, right? Or is it San Diego? I don't know. I want to go to both of those places. So whatever. Yeah, I want to go where it's warm. At this point, yes, yes, <laughs> me too. Okay, so where the location of the shootings were done now is a lawn because the building was knocked down of a nursing home where people have reported unusual mists and lights. People can hear men's voices when there's no one present in the area. It's been reported also that you can hear screaming and machine guns in the area. And anyone who stands in front of the fence where the site of the shootings happened have a real sense of fear or panic come over them. In the nursing home, 
It has been said that they can see ghostly 1920 gangster figures lurking about the area. How freaking cool is that? That would be really cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm telling you, like, this is the cool shit. I know. I love all of Al Capone's stories. I am all about it, about it. I'm, like, thinking that I probably wouldn't be scared if I saw a ghost. No. I don't think I'd be scared if I saw a ghost if I'm with someone. But if I was by myself now, I would probably be pissing down my pants. Yeah. And you already know my ghost story. It came out of your freaking house in St. Clair Shores. I know. You saw a night hag. I saw a night hag, and it freaking scared the shit out of me. Like, dude, I could not sleep for four hours just hearing that chair and the glow in the room. I couldn't, like, the chair was just rocking back and forth, back and forth. And that chair went click, click every time, every time it rocked. And it was so creepy. And I got up and I saw a glow from the room, but I thought she just had the TV on. So I just passed my sleepy slumber. I went all the way downstairs to go to the bathroom, came back up. Nope. And then she was in the bathtub. So I was like, okay, well, she's she's probably good. (laughs) And then I went back to sleep. (laughs) Nope. No, nope. Honestly, I really just wanted to crawl in bed with you. I was scared out of my flipping britches. That's so funny. And then I didn't sleep for like, I swear to God, three weeks after that. Yeah. And you were downstairs in my basement. I liked it there. I want I did not like your upstairs at all. I never saw or felt anything in that house. You're just blocked. I I say this (laughs) with the most love. You're blocked. Yeah, I guess so. How are we going to do ghost hunting when you're blocked, dude? It's going to be entertaining. I I betcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to see it and you're not. And I'm going to be like, bitch, you don't see that? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe nothing will happen when I'm around. I don't know. Right. I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. That concludes my story. That was a good story, Seth. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that one. So I'm probably just going to keep talking here because she's she's went to the bathroom. But still, I have some more stuff to add on our other podcasts that we've done. We have caught EBP and we put them on our Patreon So if you guys are interested in seeing our Patreon, just go there. It's only two bucks to join. It's not like a a ton, you know, two bucks a month just to get some entertainment. We do a lot of stuff on our Patreon. It's awesome. And we work very hard. We do what we need to do to make sure our everybody is really happy with what we do. On our Patreon, we have all kinds of stuff. We have blogs. We have show notes we have videos cooking videos with beer because we love talking about craft beer all kinds of different things so check us out for sure the wfm podcast or those weirdos from michigan do you feel relieved now (laughs) i feel relieved good deal yes i do that was a really good story i enjoyed that thank you i tried you know there are some things i didn't really know about el capone though i didn't Really study up on his younger years. Had no idea. Right. That he got married at 19 and all that. Yeah. And and the rough patch that he really had to go through being an immigrant um, and it being the really rough years of the United States at that time, I would probably go down the crime path. Just saying. Yeah. You never know what you would do in that situation. And honestly, like he was just a self-made businessman and saw profit and his violent stuff I don't agree with, but he saw profit in being a self-made businessman. Right. And I can respect that because that's something you and I are also trying to go for is being a self-made businesswoman. Yeah. So totally. I totally get his mindset on that, but I don't get the... Why do you have to murder and be violent mindset? I don't know. But then again, he was also, it was basically either he got killed or they got killed too. I could see that too. Right. So, well, he could have just 
chose a different path. Yeah. It's all about choices. Yeah, true. True. You don't have to end up in that lifestyle. I mean, there are people that come up with bad backgrounds and they end up totally taking a different path and being a really, really good person, like an angel on earth. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's people that use their past as an excuse. That was probably his thinking. But also back then, people usually repeated what their father's fathers did. And you know what I mean? Their family's family or whatever. Yeah. They didn't have the resources like we do today with self-help and self-development and all that stuff to get them going on a different path. But if you notice, like, and I'm not saying this in a racist way, Italians are all about taking care of their family true and they will do what it takes right they don't even think twice about it if they think they're gonna make a profit to take care of mama they're gonna take care of mama well yeah their culture is completely different in that way i mean i'm sure there are some italian families out there that don't you know so much just like americans i mean there are a lot of americans out there that want to take care of their family but there are also a lot of americans that don't Right. They seem to be pretty tight-knit. Yeah. Even, like, looking at these different shows with different countries, I think they kind of mimic their society a little bit. And they'll even tell you themselves, like, I was watching Emily in Paris on Netflix. The people that were working with her, they're like, well, us French, us French do this, us French do that. Um, People are people wherever you go. Yeah, people are definitely peoples. Yeah. Pizzas are pizzas. Pizzas are pizzas. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to go on to my story. Today, I'm drinking Haze Blue. It is from Big Lake Brewing in Holland, Michigan. Nice. And they have beer, cheese, and pretzels. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yes. It doesn't say what kind of beer, though. Yeah, I know. Stoner tots. <laughs> stoner tots. They have yes. stoner tots. No, listen to this, okay? It sounds delicious. Delicious. Mwah. Okay. I got you. Speaking of Al Capone, mwah. stoner tots are fried tots with Asiago cheese and Italian herbs. And it's served with garlic alioli. You know, Brian makes alioli sometimes, and that stuff, I don't even know how it's made, but it is freaking delicious. Dude, right now my stomach's going raw. Yes. <laughs> see if they have any other stoner stuff. Let me see. They went with a theme here, and then they totally dropped it. I don't even see anything now. It's all, like, greens and stuff. Ooh, they do have some good desserts, though. They have a cookie monster. A cookie monster? Yes, it's two baked chocolate chip stuffed with ice cream and rolled in chocolate chops and topped with chocolate sauce and whipped cream. Oh, girl. Yeah, if you guys heard the passion in my voice, it's because I like food, okay? Leave me alone. Dude, we're foodies. (laughs) Like, foodies. Okay? Foodies. There's probably a reason I'm not skinny. I love food. Food I know. is, me I'm too. down. Yes. I'm not going to die a skinny bit. It's not on the cards for me, all right? You know, I don't think I want to die a skinny bitch. I think I want to <laughs> die happy and knowing I could have had a chocolate cake yesterday. And, you know, not... You got that one for me. <laughs> you know, in my older years, I'm thinking I really like chocolate. Me I too. used to be beef sticks. Like, I was all about the Slim Jims and Ugh. shit. I can't do beef sticks anymore since I did the keto, man. I can't do beef sticks as much as I used to. I know. but And it didn't work out. So, you know, here I am. There's a reason. Yeah. Because Because I'm drinking beer right now. There's a reason (laughs) why I don't eat beef sticks anymore. It's because of the price of jerky. I get pissed Mm. 
every time I go to get some jerky yes. and it's like a ton of freaking dollars. Why? No, it's four to seven dollars. That's the average of a package of beef jerky now. Oh, and Takis went up. What the? Why? You remember when Takis were like a buck? Yes. Okay. They're like three bucks at Dollar General. It's crazy. That is ridiculous. Yes. So I don't know. We t- we sound like a bunch of old men now. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. All right, Bob. You ready for this? I'm all ready for it, Jacob. <laughs> oh, we haven't had our, our alter egos on the show. No, our alter egos have been missing for a bit. They have. We missed you guys. Yeah. Welcome. I missed you, Bob. <laughs> I missed you too, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you ready for this? This is a love triangle from Lake Huron. Look me square in the eyes and tell me you love me. Love triangle. I'm ready for this. Imagine. And I'm doing the hand motions right now, even though you guys cannot see me. (laughs) Imagine, or maybe if you can remember back when you were about 20, 21. I'm 37, so I'm going to say remember when you were early 20s. You had your whole life ahead of you. Maybe you started college or a new career. Maybe you had no kids or extra responsibilities except for yourself. You were just learning the ins and outs of how to transition out of childhood and into adulthood. You had dreams. You had goals. You were hopeful for the future. You could go out without answering to anyone and do whatever, eat whatever you wanted, and life was good. What if your life just got cut short on a whim? What if the decisions you made back then led to no future? Most of us made stupid decisions. Oh, yeah. The story I'm talking to you about today is a 21-year-old girl named Cheryl. We just had poor taste in men, and unfortunately, it led to her demise. I can definitely imagine that, and yes. it's sad. Cheryl Miller was from Lake Huron, and she was an average 21-year-old girl. It was 1974. The Rubik's Cube was just invented, and Stephen King just published his new book, Carrie. Richard Nixon was the first president to resign, and Godfather Part 2 just came out. How crazy is it (laughs) that you just did something on Al Capone, and synchronicity is just crazy with us. Yeah, because we don't tell each other what we're doing, really. No, not at all. It's so crazy. The famous blizzard of 1974 also happened that year. And that's when Michigan was hit with piles and piles of snow. People were locked in their house for days. My dad even actually told me that they were using snowmobiles to get around to work. Isn't that nuts? That is pretty nuts. Yes. I got you in the time frame, right? Yes, I'm there. So this is where Cheryl spent her days going to a local college And she was taking art classes, and she was working at a local bakery part-time. And she did that to make ends meet. She had her own motorcycle. Can you imagine? What a badass, man. Dude, I want my own motorcycle. I know. I feel like it gives you, like, 10 points on the sex appeal. No, it gives you, like, 50. (laughs) (laughs) It gives you 50 points on the sex meter if you own a motorcycle. And I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a woman. You're hot hot. if you have a motorcycle. You're more than a hot mess, baby. Yes, you're more than a hot mess. You aren't me. (laughs) (laughs) You are my species. Back off of my species. I kind of am your species. You're my sister. Yeah, you're a hot mess too. Yeah. In addition to her motorcycle, she also had a new apartment and she had a roommate. She was also kind enough to let her cousin stay and just like for a little bit so he can move on to his next venture. Cheryl was attractive and she was very well liked. Many men 
dreamed of being with her. Probably women too. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, she had that motorcycle, man. I can't get it out of my head. No. <laughs> yeah. No. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like this cool. chick already. Me too. Like I'm I'm cr- silently crushing on her and I'm not even like I don't swing that way, Sally, but that's No. She was actually really pretty. I'll put a picture up on Instagram. She was blonde. She had a really nice smile. I mean, she, she had was skinny. It she had a motorcycle. <laughs> 50 points on the sexo meter there. Yes. And she knew it, though, too, because she did date around a lot. Like she was Carrie from Sex in the City. Have you ever seen that show? Nope. Okay. You got to. But she definitely <laughs> dated around. It's funny. You would like it. She was uh, furious with a foreign exchange student named Abbas Stephanie. And I think I'm saying his name right, but I think I'm going to take a page out of Stacy's book and call him Abe. Abe. <laughs> in Abe's culture, the women in Iran, they actually have like no women's rights there. The men can marry up to four women. And the women have to submit to their husbands. And in America. (laughs) How about no? We are not very (laughs) submissive people, okay? At least not in our marriages. No. Abe started trying to pull all this crap on Cheryl. And had all these overbearing control methods And Cheryl seemed to be carefree. She had a freaking motorcycle. (laughs) And she was like a carefree artist. She was taking art classes at the local college. And she couldn't be tamed. So she got a little spooked. And she broke up with him. She mentioned it to her family too. That he was just freaking her out. Yeah. In the next few weeks, she started dating again. And the man she was seeing was Gabe Ferris. He was a 27-year-old man that came from a wealthy family. All seemed well, but somehow she found out that Gabe was scheduled to be married to another woman, Terry Iguez, in the next few weeks. If you're in love with somebody and you ask them to be your wife, why are you dating around? That's a good question. What's the point? She broke tides with him as well. Love triangles are more dangerous than the Bermuda Triangle. I believe that. Gabe went on and he married his fiance and the couple spent their honeymoon on the shores of Lake Huron, 65 miles away from Cheryl's apartment. It's kind of important to remember. Okay. One of those honeymoon nights, Cheryl decided to go out and have a little fun with her roommate at a local bar or a local joint. I don't even know if it was a bar or a club. I'm guessing it's a bar if it's in Michigan, because we don't have, like, we're not big clubbers, I don't think. No. Yeah, especially around the lakes and stuff. They're, like, all bars. Yeah. I don't know about when 1974, though. It could have been different. Maybe. So here comes the drama. Abe shows up at the same point, and Abe confronted Cheryl that... He wanted to kind of go home with her and try to fix things. And the two were seen arguing in the joint for a little bit. Abe was also pressing to go home with her, but Cheryl kept refusing. And Abe, remember, Abe is the foreign exchange student. Yeah. If you guys aren't tracking. Abe left in anger and Cheryl left separately later. Cheryl returned home and she returned home alone. She wasn't with her roommate. I think her roommate just kind of went out, stayed up all night, maybe went home with somebody. I don't know. All that matters is that Cheryl was alone and she was in the apartment. And what happens next is a cold case that remained cold for 20 years. Now, at the time... It was like two suspects, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the case. Okay. The next rainy morning, around 6 a.m., the roommate walked in her house, probably doing the walk of shame, and to her horror, she found Cheryl unresponsive on the floor in the apartment. She had bruises all over her face. She had big bruises around her scalp, 
and her lip. She had many scratches on her neck and two marks on her collarbone. Mm. So here's the evidence they found. They found dark hairs on the body. They think it could have been left by the suspect on purpose, or they think it could have been hairs from the rug. They find that out later, but right now they're looking at the dark hairs. So they find several fingerprints all over the apartment belonging to three different men. The three different men are Abe, or Abbas, if that's his name, Tony, which was the cousin that stayed there for a little bit, and Gabe, the blonde-haired boyfriend she had. Gabe wasn't looked at until later, like way later. They found that there was also a forced entry into the downstairs window, and the screen was took off. The next like little piece of evidence that was kind of weird is that the semen that they found on her or in her was sterile. So the autopsy showed that, sh- that Cheryl had been strangled and raped. And the time of death was around 5.30 or 6 a.m. in the morning. So at this point, they're looking for a sterile, dark-haired man. And there's only two suspects that had dark hair. Right. And that was Tony and Abe because Gabe had blonde hair. Let's just cut out Tony right now because that was Cheryl's cousin. He had no motive. And the only thing they could go on was that his fingerprint was all over their apartment. He lived there for a while. Right. And his dark hair, I mean, there's like, I think there's 50 to 100 hairs that fall out of your, your scalp. Yeah. I don't know. You went to beauty school closer than I did. Is that yeah. about it? Yep. It's possible they found Tony's hair in the apartment. And Tony was also a fertile man. So he was looked at and then he was let go. The next suspect, and I find this super fishy, is Abe. Abe had motive. He wanted to own Cheryl. He wanted to control Cheryl. Mm-hmm. She broke ties with him. He did not like that. He booked a flight back home to Iran a few days later. He sold his car and got out of the country as soon as possible. They found that Abe left his hairbrush behind. So they got a warrant over to Iran and got some hair samples from him. But not only did they find out that the hair samples didn't match the hairs found on the body, but they didn't match the hairs on the hairbrush. That's kind of weird, but Abe was also fertile, not sterile. Okay, it's not it's serious enough to get him over here and convict him of murder right. because he's he was fertile. So there was only the two suspects at the time. They did find Gabe's fingerprints, but they just let him go. I don't know why. Gabe reportedly called the detective around this time to see what they found and the status of the case as a concerned citizen. Mm -hmm. And although his fingerprints were found, he had a rock solid alibi. The alibi was that he was on his honeymoon and he was with his new wife and she backed his story up. Right. So the case went cold until 1994. And what do you think happened, sis? I'm just curious if you know from all the facts that you've found out so far. Abe, the hairbrush samples didn't match him, right? It didn't match the dark hair. They didn't match the dark hair that was found on his hairbrush. I feel like he used somebody else's hair and cleaned out his, like, got a brand new brush and, and brushed his hair with somebody or brushed the brush with somebody else's hair. He had he yeah. paid someone off to give them their hair samples. Yeah, that's what I or feel. Or something like that. But the detectives couldn't do anything at the time because he was in a different country. So they couldn't see if he actually put the hairs to send out to them. Right. So there's something definitely very fishy there. He might have been paid off. He might have paid somebody off to do that for sure. Yes. Yeah, well, he was, had enough know. money to be a foreign exchange student and he had a car while he was here. He was obviously, well he off. had some money. Yeah, he was well off. I definitely think he had something to do with it. Yes. But the case reopened in 1994. The reason why is because 
Gabe and Terry ended up getting a divorce. The ex-wife, Terry, came forward with new information. She told the police that she had a confession and it's been weighing on her for 20 years. Now that the bastard ex is out of the way, she could clear her conscience. Right. She told authorities that Gabe came home the day of the murder in the morning. He claimed that he was coming home from seeing a friend in the hospital in Saginaw, Michigan. Okay. When he returned to the cottage or wherever they were staying, he had blood all over him. He claimed that he hit a rabbit on the way home and it was stuck in his tire and he had to pull the rabbit out and the blood got all over his clothes. So Terry was like a naive, newlywed wife, probably just brushed it off and said, okay, that's what happened. That evening, the news came on. And at this point, the roommate had already found the body and Cheryl's face was plastered all over the evening news. Gabe got up and got really, really, really close to the TV and started whimpering at the TV. And Terry was like, what is, what's wrong? But she was kind of weirded out because he was whimpering, but he was fake whimpering at the TV. Okay. So it wasn't like real emotions. So I was like, <laughs> kind of. She was like, what's going on? He goes, well, I knew her. She's my ex. And that was that. Wow. Do you remember when I said that Gabe was kind of in contact with the detective yes. on the case? Yes. He had his own suspicions, but the lack of evidence wasn't on his side. So he decided to write down the reports and the questions that Gabe was asking because they were kind of troubling. With the new information and the reports from the old case, they reopened it and took Gabe to court. There was a lot of evidence not pointing to him, but a fingerprint was found right by Cheryl's head on the floor, and it was a match to Gabe's. Bingo. So that's kind of weird, right? That is very weird. Or normal. Normal to the circumstance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was one puzzling question to this case because Gabe, he was fertile, but he also had light hair. The forensic examiner on the reopened case determined that the hair on the body was likely a secondary transfer. And if you guys don't know what that means, it means like hairs and stuff on the floor would kind of gather on the body in a struggle. And it didn't really necessarily belong to the killer. Right. It belonged to people that were living in the house at one point, people that had been in the house, just kind of gathered on her. Right. So the semen also found on the body was determined to be Cheryl's. It was all vagina, like, proteins and stuff. So it wasn't even a man's semen. Okay. So the reason why they think there was no semen on her is because Cheryl had been raped before. And this is according to the roommate. She's been raped before, so she did not want to give the killer any kind of enjoyment. She just laid there like a fish. And that probably didn't excite the killer very much. So the killer didn't get off. Okay. That was the reasoning. And I don't know if the roommate came up with that all on her own or if there was a specialist in there that maybe gave that birdie in her ear. When the roommate brought all this to light in the courtroom, Gabe, who was on trial at the time, was very visibly uncomfortable when she was saying that. So, yeah, body language, people, it's very readable, especially in the courtroom. Yeah. Gabe's trial went on for 10 years because they had to gather all this old evidence, bring it to new light, bring it to new technology, all that stuff. And they had to get all the statements from people. 
but the jury did eventually find him guilty in 2004. And now he's serving life in prison. So what do you guys think? I think that Abe and Gabe (laughs) somehow was there together. I think they might have met up somewhere because they were both wanting to go there at the same time at the same night. I think it was just kind of like a coincidence. Yeah. They met there together and they both killed her. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to yeah. me. Gabe was convicted because Abe was now in Iran. It's just a speculation. I think they both did it. But I would like to know your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I would like to know their thoughts too. And I really think they both did it for sure. Yeah, I do too. But he got away with With all with the it. evidence. Yeah. With all the evidence, it just seems like there's more to the story for sure. Right. Yeah, and then the whole semen thing, that would have been great to know back in 1974. That was hers. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for her family. They didn't even get closure. No. I think her mom and dad actually died before Cheryl was able to come to justice. I definitely think Gabe had something to do with it, but I don't think Abe's all that innocent either. Right. So the fact that he left so rapidly after she died, I mean, that's just kind of fishy. For sure. He wouldn't have gave up that easily. No. But I do want to know your guys' thoughts. Yeah, for sure. So happy Valentine's Day, guys. Next time we talk to you, we it will be on Valentine's Day, but we decided to do a little special for you before. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening in. Check us out on all of our social media. Check us out on Those Weirdos from Michigan podcast on Spotify and the WFM podcast for everything else. And email us your weird, weird, weird stories on the WFM podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok and Tumblr. We are on all the shit, okay? Yeah, just Google us. You'll find us. us. You'll find us. And thank you so much for listening, and we truly appreciate you, and we will talk to you on Valentine's Day. Yes, don't be normal. Don't be flipping normal. It scares us. Yes, and it's so scary. Scary. Creepy. Don't be weird. Be weirder. Be weirder, for sure. Yes. Bye, guys. Peace out. Don't know where we'll ever end So listen to, yeah, listen to Those weirdos from Michigan